This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of a lovely piss town here in Washington, D.C. This is the show we do for you, our subscribers on Patreon. Thank you for your support. This week, the Supreme Court said that it's perfectly fine for U.S. corporations to use child slavery, granting a huge victory to capitalism, also to Neil Katyal, who served as Deputy Solicitor General under President Obama. Katyal represented the two defendants in the suit, Nestle and Cargill. The case was filed under the Alien Tort Statute, which is supposed to give foreigners the right to seek compensation in the U.S. for violations of international law. The suit was brought by six people from Mali who said they were trafficked to the Ivory Coast as children to work as slaves on cocoa plantations that exclusively sold their product to Nestle and Cargill in exchange for technical and financial assistance from the two multinationals. The six Malians said that Cargill and Nestle knew or should have known that they were buying products made with slave labor. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed, granting them the right to sue. And the Supreme Court overturned that decision, saying that slave labor is actually fine when it happens overseas. Writing for the majority, Clarence Thomas said, quote, allegations of general corporate activity like decision-making cannot alone establish domestic application of the alien tort statute. And all three liberals on the court agreed with this, suggesting that Nestle and Cargill really got their money's worth by hiring Neil Katyal. The lone dissenting voice came from Samuel Alito, of all people. He said, quote, the conduct petitioners are alleged to have aided and abetted provides the basis for a lawsuit under the Alien Tort Statute. This is the justice who spearheaded the attack on public sector unions that culminated in Janus versus AFSME. Apparently, he has better opinions on slave labor than Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and Stephen Breyer. Yeah, that shit's wild. <laughs> it really is. Though Alito's dissent is surprising in the context of his awful opinions on unions, it's not that surprising if you listen to oral arguments in this case. Listen to this incredibly grim exchange that he had with Neil Katyal. Mr. Katyal, many of your arguments lead to results that are pretty hard to take. So suppose a U.S. corporation makes a big show of supporting every cause du jour, but then surreptitiously hires agents in Africa to kidnap children and keep them in bondage on a plantation so that the corporation can buy cocoa or coffee or some other agricultural product at bargain prices. You would say that the victims who couldn't possibly get any recovery in the courts of the country where they had been held should be thrown out of court in the United States where this corporation is headquartered and does business? Justice Alito, I have three buckets of answers to this, and this is really the heart of the case in many ways, so I'll try to briefly outline them and then hope to detail them. So the first is that that hypothetical is, of course, very far removed from the facts of this case where they allege minimal U.S. conduct, not some sort of operation run from the United States. Second, I don't think your hypothetical states a violation of the alien tort statute because there is no domestic injury. First of all, Justice Alito, that hypothetical was way different from my client's child slavery system. And secondly, it would actually be perfectly fine. Neil Katyal, what an absolute fucking demon. We are chip chatting now. Chip Gibbons is here. 
journalist and policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent. He speaks on his own behalf every week. Hey, Chip. Hello, Sam. And also, Sam. Hello, Chip. Chip is absolutely... Yeah, Sam Knight was the Sam I met first, so it's really unfair that I call him also Sam and address Sam Sachs as Sam. Um, I'm just now realizing this, but but, but go on. I'm sorry. I, I'm ruining That's you. That's right. Well, no, no one... No, no, no. That's... Uh... I was glad to hear that the other Sam is also Sam. Yeah, no one knew which one you addressed first since you didn't say our last names. But uh, Chip, may I say you're you you're glowing today. I feel like you've got those good vibes from your uh, events or your event with Marianne Williamson. How did those go? We uh, last episode we were plugging well, a bunch of stuff. How'd that? How'd all that go before we dig into today's I mean, topic? I, I, I did two events last week. I moderated a panel for the Democratic Socialists of America's International Committee that was co-sponsored with Verso and Jacobin that had uh, Claire Daly, a member of the European Parliament, a very good member of the European Parliament, I should add, uh, Tarek Ali, who's my like lifelong hero, although I did not say that to him. Obviously, I was cool and chill. Um, Cole Stangler, who I think you both know, who Tarek Lee is also his lifelong hero, but was also cool and chill as well so you know both cole and i were cool and chill when when dealing with Tarek, uh and then grace blakely um so really fun time talking about uh the eu and why it's bad in spite of what what some people might think uh and also nato nato not good and just the general state of the european left so it, it sounds like you were cool calm and chiplected in front of your hero Tarek ali I, cool, cool, calm, and collected. Uh, never mind. Okay, okay. Cold, calm, chip like eh, it didn't really work. I'm. Th- I would that say is, let's. Uh, uh, that not was all a jokes reach land. Not right all there. jokes land. Not all <laughs> jokes land. I appreciate that you came up with that so quickly. Um, and then you explained it to us. You know, we had a saying when I was in college: uh, jokes are funny when we explain them. That was our yeah. saying back when I was in college. Is what the kids right. said. Um, all the all the best jokes need an addendum. Yes, to explain them. Anyways, yeah, and then on Sunday, uh, so Julian Assange's father John and his brother Gabriel are in the U.S. for the home run for Julian tour, which has just been a massive success. I, I, just just every city they they've been in has been capacity crowds, big name speakers. Um, really, really fantastic. Um, and we were at Busboys on Sunday. Busboys is a local DC restaurant. We were conveniently at the Busboys by my house. There's like 10 of them now, one of which is by my house. And they, they must have known. They must have known. So they chose when we're at my house. And, uh, you know, John and Gabriel are joined by different uh, locals at, at the events. And in DC, it was Brian Grimm, uh, DC uh, bureau chief for The Intercept, although he was calling in from Vermont. Um, and then also Marianne Williamson and myself. And uh, Marianne Williamson started the night off with a really fiery speech about, I mean, like, really, like, forceful, fiery speech. I think a lot of people were, um, she's a very interesting person. She's not, she's not who the media has told you she is at all. And she's very, very acutely aware of how, how the media has portrayed her over the years. And she's just, she's a very smart very witted person. She's very passionate. 
about the Assange case because she, she knows it's about the future of press freedom. Uh, she's also been involved in, in defending the um, attorney who Chevron has had imprisoned. I'm blanking on his name. Steven Donziger. Steven, yeah, so she has this huge platform from her. Wait, did Sam and I just both say the wrong name? <laughs> no, I think it was the right one. I I don't know. We said it at the same time, so I couldn't really hear it. But uh, one of you has to buy someone a Coke. Steve Donziger. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. That is right. Right, and, and you know she's been she has this huge platform of almost three million followers on on Twitter, and it's obviously from you know the fact that she wrote these. I, I guess they're called self help books, and you know they were promoted by Oprah and Barbara Walters and everyone, and she just has this very sort of you know un it's not unconventional, it's probably a very conventional platform, but for like people like us it's it's not audiences we usually speak to um and she's really been using her platform in the last four five years for real real good purposes so um marianne is 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 amazing you know we had we had dinner afterwards um and you know i'm 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 going on her podcast hopefully in a couple weeks she she clearly um, has you under her spell you spend one evening with marianne williamson you're going to sign up for her next presidential campaign and be her, be her campaign director i would have to look at who else was running but i would not <laughs> i would not rule that out if asked i do not think she's going to ask me though um but um she is I, I spent five hours with her, basically, so, you know. Um, Chip Gibbons, normally pretty cynical about uh, people in power here. I've got to say, I underestimated the influence and pull of Marianne Williamson. I've uh, I've liked a couple of people over there. I liked Dennis Kucinich a lot, um, you know, other people. Wow, Chip Gibbons sheepdogging people into the Democratic Party here. Sorry, sorry. That was a two online of a joke. You, you know, I no, no, no. You know, you know. Anyone who gives their time and platform for the cause of Julian Assange is a friend of mine, with some minor exceptions. But you know, I've been, I've been very willing to heap praise over anyone who stands up for Julian Assange, including people who are not anywhere near my side of the political spectrum. Um, and I am very grateful that Marianne is is using her platform for this, and she did give a very forceful amazing speech that brought the house down um i think even the organizers of the event were surprised by how good of a job she did uh but the shiptons that's julian Assange's family are coming back to dc on june 30th and this isn't public knowledge yet but they're going to be joined by uh another great orator of our times cornell west um mm. but keep that one a secret as i say oh, on this podcast to everyone yeah it's on the podcast now uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listeners, you're bound to secrecy by um by uh my uh verbal my verbal acclamation. Is is there a video recording where people can go and watch the uh, speech? They can watch it. They can watch it. They, it's um I believe it's on rightsanddissent.org. I believe we made sure to put up many videos and pictures of me at this event because this is the most exciting thing to happen. To, uh, I was the hero of my corner market. They all uh, apparently love Marianne Williamson at, at Odd Provisions. Um, and 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 I, I can't even go and buy my daily bag of chips anymore because I'm just I'm just peppered with like, you know, so much praise and joy for having having spoken with uh, 
Mary Evans. This is a it's a life changer. It's a life changer. A whole new chip. Um, We've I got might, a whole new chip Gibbons whole, here with us. We've got a whole new. I might even read a Return to Love. I might even read it and learn I about can, finding love within myself and healing. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up love because I think she really vaulted to her fame. Um, what did you say? She has three million Twitter followers. Two point eight. Two point eight. Two point eight. I would imagine that. <laughs> I would imagine that most of those came after the presidential debate when she vowed to battle Trump on the astral plane and uh, said that love love would defeat hate. What was I, it? I know what she said because I have do. spent so much time I watch, watching this set to the Twin Peaks music, which was my favorite <laughs> Twitter moment ever. I did not share that with her, but that was one of my, even before I met her, she, that was she good. says, she says, um, President Trump, if you're listening, I know what you've done, and you know what you've done, too. You've harnessed fear for political purposes. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. And Mr. President, I will meet you in that field, and love will win. It's, that really speaks music, though. It really is. That really did put a chill down my spine when she said it. I thought for like thirty seconds, like, "Damn, is Marianne gonna win this nomination here?" <laughs> well, the, the other it put a chill down she, my she spine brought, when Chip just said it. The other big thing she did that um, I have good intelligence that a room full of Bernie supporters erupted in, in, in applause when she did this was she brought up when they were discussing the, the refugee crisis, that it was made by U.S. interventions in Latin America, and she was the only candidate to do so. Um, and mm. I, I thanked her for doing that when, when I met her, and she told me people all over the country come up to her and thank her for, for bringing up Latin America during the debate, and that when she did so, Warren and Bernie just looked at each other like, she can't say that, can she? And she was saying it. She was saying it. So uh, that's Marianne Williamson. Well, that's all good to hear, Chip. Thanks for... Uh sharing that and speaking and of i'll be on her podcast so. oh fantastic yeah she invited me onto her podcast well we we look forward to hearing that when that drops and uh, hearing more about your conversations with marianne um you should start your new podcast conversations with marianne and just just talk about your uh, your experiences I've with her I've already launched my other new podcast, Primary Sources, which after a brief uh, kerfuffle is in fact on Apple Podcasts now. So you can subscribe if that's where you listen to your podcast uh, to Primary Sources. Our first episode is Dan Ellsberg, who will also be joining me on the Marianne Williamson podcast. Um, but he's our first guest. If you're a still spying subscriber, you got the first Primary Sources episode as a bonus episode. But we were supposed to do a special introduction being like, hey, still spying subscriber. Um, this is a new podcast. Why don't you subscribe to this? And we just released it onto the still spying podcast without recording that. So you will now be getting two bonus episodes if you're a still spying episode, still spying subscriber. And this time it will feature the introduction where I explain what the fuck is going on and why are we suddenly talking about primary sources and talking to Dan Ellsberg. <laughs> Good to hear. Um, Although I have the first three episodes of that recorded and in the bag, only the first ones out. I have the first three episodes recorded and the first six scheduled to record, and it damn. is going really, really well. That's um, the dr that's the dream. Sam and I always wish for that sort of arrangement, but we end up never pulling it off with shows in the canon. We're always just like rushing to get a show done to get out. 
you can just relax for the next few weeks while we while you put out some shows. I so I'm trying to um so next few weeks I'm recording the remaining or not the remaining it's it, it's so it's a limited podcast series so there's like a a map of where where it goes in different directions um and I'm I'm constantly recording it even though we're we're so far ahead but it just you know you, you don't know if you, if you have something where like on a set schedule with like limited series and we have to go to this point and then like suddenly Tom Drake like gets like you know, a call or something, you don't want to mess up the scheduling. So you record as far in advance as possible, a couple months, if you can do it. Well, enough, I don't know why enough about Chip. Enough about Chip Gibbons here. Let's talk about, well, some, some good news right, right off the top. Let's mention uh, quickly because Reality rarely, winner. yeah, rarely do we get to, you know, report good news. Reality winner is uh, out of prison. Um, in a halfway house. In a halfway right, house. In a halfway to be clear, no thanks to Joe Biden here. <laughs> she's no, out of prison no. as a result of good behavior. Yeah, she is currently in a halfway house. Um, late last year, this was not reported, but uh, Terry Albury was uh, moved into a halfway house. He's the FBI whistleblower indicted under the Espionage Act and around the same time as Reality Winner. And, uh, He's currently out of the halfway house, but still on probation. So we have two people who have recently been been freed. Uh, after, no thanks to anyone, but you know, the natural movements of the prison system. Uh, so that's very exciting. Although Daniel Hale is, of course, right now in the Alexandria Detention Center. And if you could write him a letter, um, there's information at standwithdanielhale.org on how to do that. But it would be it'd be appreciated. Yeah. It'd be very isolated. I don't. I've never been to prison by it, but I hear it's very isolating. Um, that's exciting news. Yeah, reality winner is out finally. She's at a really rough time in prison too. She had she got she had COVID. Oh jeez. She was uh most uh people charged under the Espionage Act are allowed to be um released on their own recognizance uh prior to sentencing prior to trial. But she was held in pretrial detention, which is very rare uh, for an Espionage Act defendant. Um, you know, Hale was out pre, pre-pleading, and he was out pre-sentencing, but he was picked up under bogus mental health reasoning. Uh, and then Chelsea, of course, was in a court-martial. But she was held in, in the county jail, which is not meant for long-term uh, detention at all based, I believe, on the grounds that in her diary she wrote she wished Donald Trump was dead, so they, you know, made her out to be a national security threat. I I think of, and I don't know how much you want to get into this at all, Chip, before we move on to the other intelligence revelations that came out this week, but um, it's, there's there's a lot of crossover, of course, between the, the crowd that that supports whistleblowers and fights for press freedoms and Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and people who rightfully criticized Russiagate and the awful influence it's had on our politics and media. The reality winner case is a bit complex because the documents that she released uh, somewhat bolster the case for Russiagate in the most narrow sense of, in the most narrow sense of, yeah, Russia in the same way the U.S. Yes. engages in certain intelligence activities, is messing around. But 
Russiagate itself was obviously like blowing that out of proportion, talking about Donald Trump being some secret agent of the Russian government and all this other stuff going around. But I, I feel like there was a chance with winners disclosures for for everybody to kind of really settle in on what actually is the story with Russiagate. But it seems to no, because there was a lot of disputes because, I mean, it was just an unnamed NSA person's conclusions without showing any of sort of the sources or methods or how they reached it. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of back and forth internally in the whistleblower community about what her documents she released did or did not show. And I know some people have publicly I, 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 I don't want to diminish the fact that she gave what she thought was important information to the media and she was persecuted as a result of it. I, I don't want to lose track of that story. But I mean, there was a lot of discussion as to just what did those documents show and what validity was there in them. Um, and and I, 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that at this point, but um, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think people thought it was a slam dunk or anything like that. But others did. And then on the other hand, you had this very weird Russiagate resistance crowd who hates Snowden, who hates Assange, who sort of rallied to to Winner in a really politically ugly way where, like, the ACLU would be like, pardon Snowden, like, Snowden's a traitor. Why don't you talk about reality Winner instead? Um, and... You know, reality winner is a person who has suffered tremendously for acting as a journalist source, and I think that's the story here. And I don't want to really devote a lot of time to any of the ugly uh, back and forth politics people had in sort of the meta meta reality winner discussion. It's really hard to think of any example of someone revealing uh, information about government activity that warrants. Uh, any sort of real punishment whatsoever. No, I, I mean, I, I mean, caveat being like, obviously, there's the nuclear you know, the government has like sensitive medical information about individuals, but in terms of like revealing information about power structures, um, it was absolutely an abuse of power to prosecute. Her sentence was extremely disproportionate. She was held in terrible conditions in county jail. She was subjected to terrible abuses in prison. She she got COVID. I mean, like her story is one that should trouble us us all. I just I'm I'm hesitant to draw any. I'm just not going to go down the route of discussing whether or not her documents did or did not show anything about it. Russia. She can't be. Um... She she can't be blamed for the behavior of her worst fans. Sort of the no uh, no no I, no the Rick and Morty worse than any of us. No no. Well, I blame you, Sam. Um, but um, Sam Stacks, not Sam. I don't blame Sam Knight. Um, but no, and I totally right. agree with that. I was just commenting on that. Her case would at times. I mean, you you would talk to people who were big on whistleblower issues. I, I'm not going to name names here. And you're like, hey, will you will you support reality winner? Like, no, you know, whistleblowers are supposed to expose the NSA, not bolster their claims, and they would they wouldn't they wouldn't speak out for her. Um, and then you had other people who like hate whistleblowers who like used her as like the anti-Snowden. And then you had the vast majority of us, you know, defending rights in dissent, Freedom of the Press Foundation, Kevin Gastola, myself, Thomas Drake, who rallied 
Jesslyn Radick and Whisper, who all rallied to her as a whistleblower who was unjustly imprisoned and should not have been imprisoned. So, like, you know, 80, 80% of, of, of the reality literary discourse was good. The remaining 20% is, I'm just going to give a warranty about. So, um, back when the Snowden revelations came out in 2013, it obviously launched a bunch of discussions about surveillance and the extent to which the uh, security state has ears everywhere, including uh, the the procedures by which they would surveil members of Congress. Um, we've since learned that a couple of members of Congress had their communications swept up uh, by the Trump administration, uh, including... Um, the worst members of Congress. Yeah. The worst members of Congress. Well, let's, okay, by, uh, okay. Well, by by the worst members of Congress, I mean, the, a lot of people would fit in that category if we're going to. I mean, Louis Gohmert's in Congress, right? So, uh, it, some of some of the worst yeah. people, certainly some of the worst or the worst members of the Democratic caucus. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I, the I worst. De- say, let's say but... the worst Democrats. I I would put I would put. Um, why can't I think of his name right now? Why is his name slipping me? The the impeachment manager, Jim Jordan, Schiff, Schiff, uh, Adam Schiff. Schiff. Oh, sorry, I thought you were Adam Schiff about is one of the people, right, yes. who had his communications collected. Yes, it's Schiff and Shaw. Schiff, who's obviously you know, a surveillance you know, hawk himself, you know, a big supporter. You know who ruins? You know who ruins Sawwell's presidential campaign? Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson, because she told him. She told him. He might be young, but he has old ideas. <laughs> you have memorized every Marianne Williamson line from the debates, haven't you, Chip? And that was that was years before Sunday. So yes, yes, she definitely. If we did rank choice voting. I would have ranked her very highly on my at the time. I would have done so. Um, I ju- I just remember Eric Swalwell was like he he based his entire campaign on saying he was young pass- he was young yes on saying pass the torch that was his big debate uh, debate stage saying, line I'm a pass the torch pass I'm young torch. I'm young and then Marianne just goes well you might be young but you have old ideas and then he had to leave the presidential election and I didn't even know he was still in Congress anymore I thought he just just like withered away into shame. <laughs> But apparently he's a member of Congress. Honestly, uh, and honestly, that that is, slogan was better than the other guy who w- ran on "Don't Yell." Oh, Tim, Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan, thank you. Okay, but well, I you got you got to give Eric Swalwell a little credit for trying to run a presidential campaign based entirely on being like George Michael Bluth. <laughs> so, so back to what I was getting at here. So, Adam yes, Schiff so, sucks. Yes, we, we, Big we, time surveillance hawk. Um, I personally am just as disturbed as a regular citizen who's done nothing wrong being illegally surveilled as a member of Congress who's done nothing wrong being surveilled. But you can see the power dynamics that play and the the implications of a member of the executive branch spying on members of the of the legislative branch and other members of the executive branch. We've yeah, now well, yeah, get into now, this. What have we learned here? In the, under it's this now moment? come out that as part of these leak investigations, the Trump administration sought subpoenas for, um, you know, once again, we're talking metadata, non-content data of uh, multiple reporters at, I believe, CNN, Washington Post, and, and New York Times now, uh, Adam Schiff, Eric Sawell, their family members and aides, 
and the White House chief of staff, chief of counsel. Was that is that who it was? Um, someone in the Trump White House, which it, it's very Nixonian, or actually more Kissingerian, because Kissinger was the one who was having the FBI um, surveil his underlings to make wiretap them illegally. In fact, one of the reasons why Daniel Ellsberg's charges were thrown out were not just that the uh, plumbers, Nixon plumbers, had. Like, uh, what's up? Not just that the Nixon plumbers had broken into his house, but also that Kissinger had been illegally wiretapping his staff and that um, Ellsberg, unrelated to the Pentagon Papers, had called them on the phone and therefore been subject to this wiretap. Uh, Kissinger was just as paranoid as and ridiculous as Nixon. I don't know how his career was not destroyed in the way Nixon's was. But yeah, like wiretapping your own your or not wiretapping getting administrative getting subpoenas for the data of, of your own uh staffers is pretty pretty high level of, of paranoia of course the trump administration was very convinced that people were leaking things from within uh so you have these leak investigations the house judiciary committee is going to investigate both the surveillance of reporters as well as the surveillance of members of Congress. I believe there's going to be a Department of Justice uh, IG investigation. Merrick Garland has said they're going to shore up the rules. I think there's some discussion of legislation uh, to actually, I mean, part of the problem with any of these rules on surveillance that are put into place by the attorney general is that they can just be changed at will. So hopefully we'll see the Congress actually pass some legislation. Um we're talking about reporters' shield laws. Uh, the press people met with Merrick Garland this week. Uh, Ryan Grimm of The Intercept suggested they shouldn't do so unless Merrick Garland agrees to drop the charges against Assange. I think that was a very good thing for, for Ryan to say. Um, and, and, and I think we, we have to be, be realistic here about how we have this conversation. Like, you know, yes, spying on members of Congress is very bad, uh, in the UK, they actually have something called the Wilson Rule, where you're not allowed to sort of wiretap uh, members of parliament due to the fact that they were wiretapping, uh, most likely, Harold Wilson when he was prime minister and probably brought down his government in a basically a, a coup, if you will. Um, and, and a similar rule like that in the US and greater greater protections for the press. I think that's all very good, and I think these are all very disturbing. But I, 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 I don't think we can lose track of the fact that these are all part of quote-unquote leak investigations. And those of us like myself, like Jesselyn Radick, uh, and others who have been criticizing of basically the, the war on whistleblowers have always said this is a backdoor war on journalism. And if you, you know, make the standards higher for spying on journalists, you don't do this abusive and impermissible surveillance of members of Congress. Like, that's fine and good, but we really need to have a conversation, and Congress isn't going to have it. A lot of the NGOs aren't going to have it, although Freedom of the Press Foundation has done uh, really good commentary on this. Ryan Grimm has done good commentary on this. D-Rad has done good commentary on this. Um, right? Like, you have to bring the ball back to the fact that you are investigating criminally people who give information to the media. And as long as you're allowed to charge those people under the Espionage Act, as long as you have Assange, a journalist, in jail, in Belmarsh prison, right? The the, the things that brought, that, that triggered, the roots of these abuses are still there. And I think it's good 
to end these types of abuses, but I think we really have to have a serious conversation about the war on whistleblowers, the war on journalists, the abuse of the Espionage Act, the imprisonment of uh, of Julian Assange, going after someone like Jeffrey Sterling, a whistleblower with just metadata. I didn't have a whole conversation here about sort of the entire sort of national security apparatus and the way that it has been waging a backdoor and now front door foreign journalists for, for decade for a decade now, uh, since like, you know, maybe a decade and a half. Um, I no longer know when 10 years ago was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's just what I have to say on that. You know, it's uh, it's funny that you bring up Nixon because when Watergate happened, we um, we sort of uh, as a country sort of thought, oh well, uh, this is such a huge abuse of power that we need to um, we need to have a, a a long look in the mirror and reform ourselves, and then. Reagan took office and he did some exceptionally uh, fucked up things. And one of which being he spied on members of Congress who he thought were too sympathetic uh, to the Sandinistas in Central America. I actually don't know about that. Could you, could you, could you tell us a little bit uh, more about that? I have been furiously Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet mean, I, I have I, you. Um, give, give me a, Sorry. Was it like Ron Dellums or something? Well, while, um, while Sam Knight is uh, Googling that, I just want to remark on how awful Merrick Garland has been as an attorney general so far. And most recently, the news this week about the Department of Justice uh, picking up the appeal from the Trump administration to reinstate the death penalty for Jokar Zarnayev, the, uh, the convicted Boston bomber. Um, Although it was the Obama administration that that refused to put a moratorium on the death penalty, so that they could seek the death penalty against him. Yeah. So, well, and Merrick that, Garland was that the doesn't help McVeigh us anywhere here, here. But uh, Timothy McVeigh was the was the was the, was the uh, Merrick Garland was the Timothy McVeigh prosecutor, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that that I think he was. Yeah. So I think he is a pro death. Well, the, the thing is, you know, guy. Biden obviously. Oh can't, yeah. We can't trust what politicians say Biden did campaign on uh, being an opponent of the death penalty to several decades of being one of the most vociferous, uh, including my favorite uh, Joe Biden quote of all time. You want to know what liberalism means in the year of 1994? It means 90 new death penalty offenses. Um, Yeah. A favorite Biden quote of mine. Well, I still think it's worth, uh, worth pointing out what a politician says on the campaign trail and how they blatantly violate that now in office. Uh, That's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. I never thought Biden, who spent his entire career expanding the death penalty and making a big deal about it, was in fact serious about ending the death penalty. But um, Well, you seem to think that Trump was serious about giving uh, Assange a pardon at some point. So, you know. I... I, I don't know if I thought that or not. I, 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 I think I said I would do whatever it took. I mean, you know, I also made appeals to Merrick Garland and the Biden administration as well. Um, you know, I have, I have made appeals to whoever has been in power to give a pardon or to drop the charges against Assange. 
Um, I know you think that's some sort of like got you card there that, you know, I asked the president of the United States to pardon someone, um, which it's not. But I, I get that that's how like things work on Twitter. So, you know, we're going to do it in this conversation. Chip's mad at me. Did you find an answer yet, Sam? No. Did you report I, fake uh, news on the show earlier? I did not. I did not report fake news. He. This definitely happened. Council. The Atlantic Council <laughs> fact checkers are going to pull this program from Facebook. Prop or not is going to be absolutely furious with us. We have uh, we have some Russian disinformatia coming to uh, to take down. Have you ever engaged with Prop or not on Twitter? No, but some of their tweets I've seen they're very grating, and I would be happy to hear what. Uh, what you what have you to have say to say about, about their, their Twitter, Twitter behavior. I I have had one on I've had like direct engagements on them where they like downplayed the spying on Martin Luther King and then accused the founder of my organization of being a KGB agent. So um I have lots of uh I have low opinion of Proper Not. Proper Not personally accused me of being a Russian disinformation agent a few years ago, but they seem to have forgotten that and I've seen them like a few of my tweets uh being critical of Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> Online <laughs> is a weird damn. place. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It's that doesn't that that would give me cause for reflection, but not so much considering Glenn is uh completely off the yeah. rails now. <laughs> You're the one who's getting liked by like security operations, so I'm not I'm not sure who's off the rails or not on this one. I, I mean, just uh, as unsavory people might all agree that Julian Assange should be free from prison, unsavory people might agree that Glenn Greenwald's a dipshit nowadays and uh, caters to reactionaries. I understand when you say that it's very popular on Twitter, and there's there's a there's a a compulsion to do that, but I'm I'm not joining in on that one. Sam, have you found any more well, answers here? To, but Glenn is still like it loves cops. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty indisputable at this point. Um I I'm closer to the source here, but I cannot Oh man. God damn it. I shouldn't have mentioned anything. I'm sorry. I've let I've let you down, Chip. I've let our listeners down. Well, we'll add an addendum and, um, to the show description if you find any answers here. Uh, Chip, before this conversation gets any more frostier, uh, any final thoughts on the topic of the week and surveillance abuses in general and any other news that you'd like to touch on? Um, I'm glad reality winner is out of prison. I... Uh, I hope the Biden administration reverses courses on um, on Assange. You know, my organization was one of like 115 organizations who wrote to his acting attorney general, one before Merrick Garland, asking them to drop the extradition request and return to the decision of the Obama administration. One of the few good decisions Obama made was saying that, you know, prosecuting uh, Assange was bad because of the New York Times problem. Right. Uh, if you prosecute Assange, you have to prosecute the New York Times, or you don't have to, but you could. Um, and I hope Adam Schiff rethinks his love of surveillance and hatred of whistleblowers. I hope this gives him something to think about. You hope that he might have a an internal Schiff. I doubt he will, but I I hope he does. Um, 
That, I think that was a little better pun than my uh, Cole, Calm, and Chip Lectin. <laughs> actually, it was actually, it was a lot better, better because that first one was really, really rough. <laughs> it wasn't rough. It just took me a while to figure out what words you were parroting. You can follow Chip Gibbons on Twitter at ChipGibbons89. Check out his new podcast, uh, Primary, Primary Sources. Sources which you can find at primarysourcespodcast.org or wherever fine podcasts are found, as it is after a brief delay actually on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you've been listening to Primary Sources because you subscribe to Still Spying, please, 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 please subscribe to Primary Sources as well. We're going to stop giving you bonus episodes of Primary Sources eventually, and then you'll be deprived of all of my lovely interviews uh, including an extremely lengthy interview I did on the 100-plus-year history of the Espionage Act that um, was the highlight of my... my no, no, Marianne was the highlight of my week. The second highlight of my week was was a hour-and-a-half interview with a legal historian of the Espionage Act. Wait, wait, wait. You're not going to believe it, but I just found the answer. Excellent. About, about Reagan spying on uh, members of Congress. Let's hear it. This comes, this comes from uh, Jane Hampshire. She wrote this on Shadowproof uh, back in 2013 amid the uh, Snowden scandal. Fire Dog Lake then, right? Because Shadowproof uh, had all the Fire Dog, Fire Dog Lake. Yes, this is tagged um, Fire Dog Lake. And uh, let's see. So it was, uh, it was Maryland Representative Michael D. Barnes his calls to Nicaraguan government officials were intercepted and recorded by NSA as he learned only after transcripts were leaked by the Reagan White House, he says. So there's an example of, uh, of, of spying on members of Congress at a time after, um, um, what's it called, uh, after Watergate when we thought that you know, or we didn't really think, but people had the delusion that the United States was cleaning house and getting back on the right track, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, not at all. So I don't know. Expect the Biden administration to spy on some member of Congress for talking to Nicolas Maduro in about three months from now. Is there a member of Congress who will talk to Nicolas Maduro? That's a good question. <laughs> That's probably there is one. My my expectations for that are a little, a little too high. There. Well, I'd say your yeah. initial claims were 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 true, Sam. Uh, they were. Glenn they were. Kessler might still find some sort of reason to give you a Pinocchio, but what what can we expect from him? Chip Chip does have a point, though. You should probably uh, block prop or not. <laughs> I. I think it's I think it's great that they're liking your tweets about Glenn Greenwald. I I take great pleasure in this fact. Well, enormous one. Um, at least I mean at I least am, I'm not being invited on Tucker Carlson's white supremacy power hour every week and bragging about it each time. Hold me accountable for proper not liking my tweets, but by all means do not hold Glenn Greenwald accountable for being Tucker Carlson's PR man online. Okay. Chip Gibbons. This concludes exactly this week's Chip Chat. <laughs>